Good morning, everybody. Uh, Everybody knows that well-known Beatles song, uh, Eleanor Rigby. I'm sure lots of you have been at uh, events where you've been belting it out, those words. But I wonder whether you've ever paused to think about the actual meaning of the song. It's a song about two uh, intersecting lives, sad lives, tragic lives, Eleanor Rigby and... Some of you over 50 must know who the other character is. Who is it? Father Mackenzie. People who lived and existed and certainly in Eleanor Rigby's case died alone. Now what about the words of the chorus? All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all come from? belong. Now, it's been over 50 years since the Beatles recorded that album, uh, that song, but the social evil that this song highlights, the point of the song, uh, is at least as prevalent now as it was then. All the lonely people, where do they all belong? All the marginalized people, the minority groups, those diverse, different people, where do they all belong? Where, where do you belong? You see, deep inside every person there is a desire to belong. A desire to be accepted by someone, somewhere. It's primal, it's fundamental to our well-being. It's a human need just as much as food and shelter. And psychologists will tell you that feeling that you belong is as important, feeling that you are accepted is as important to your life as anything else. It's fundamental to seeing the value in life. It's that important. And people look for a sense of this belonging and acceptance in all sorts of places, with friends and family, by joining clubs, at work, and of course, in a church. This is at least part of the reason why Jesus has encouraged his followers to do church, to do things together in community. But doing this the right way is not as easy as it sounds, and we can get it wrong, sometimes with very sad and tragic consequences for people who end up being hurt and who feel like they never belong. Today we're continuing our Belong series, looking at what it means to be a church. We've considered all sorts of things, eating, uh, uh, serving, connecting, giving, and today we're going to be looking at accepting. Now one of the initiatives of this uh, uh, connected uh, series this sermon series about Belong, is the 100 Meals Challenge that we've been celebrating this morning. Incidentally, Simon is putting together a recipe book (laughs) to go with the next 100 meals. So if you're short of ideas, quick poll here. People who've invited lots of people for a meal, have you ever repeated the same meal? You have. 
So, you'll need the recipe book when we do the challenge again. And if you look at the scriptures, you'll see that Jesus seems to have had his own 100 meals challenge. Because lots of the stories in the Bible have him having a meal with other people at somebody's house. And in the Gospel of Luke alone, there are 10 different stories about Jesus dining with people. In the reading we had this morning, Luke describes one such occasion when Jesus was invited to eat at a very prominent person's house. This person was a Pharisee, a religious leader, an expert in the law. Indeed, most people there that day sitting around this particular table would have been experts in the law. And by the law, we mean, of course, those rules of conduct and practice as set out in the Torah, the Jewish uh, holy book that governed every aspect of Jewish life. They would have been rabbis, they were religious leaders, they knew their Bibles, and they would sit around the table and they would discuss things together, things such as the correct interpretation of the law. They would try to figure out what was the greater good or what was the lesser evil. And so Jesus, in this story that we've read this morning, is sitting around a table with people who would consider themselves, who you would consider at the time to be religious insiders. But the gospel account also tells us that there was another person there that day who didn't really belong. This wasn't a religious scholar or an expert in the law, as far as we can tell, and he didn't belong because he had a sickness. He was suffering from some sort of disease or disorder. And so he was considered, according to the religious experts, ritually unclean. And therefore, he didn't belong. He wasn't welcome. But Jesus didn't ignore this particular person on this day. The Bible tells us, in fact, that from a very early stage in our story, Jesus noticed this person. He paid attention to the man. He did what nobody else was willing to do. Jesus touched him. And as he touched this man, he healed him of his illness and then sent him on his way. You see, what Jesus had done would have astonished the other guests at that meal. Not just because what Jesus did was miraculous, but because, of course, now, according to their rules, having touched this man, Jesus himself would be regarded under the law as unclean. And you can imagine the atmosphere now in the room, the feeling around the table. You probably could have heard a pin drop. No one would be talking. The conversation would have quickly ended. Nobody would be saying anything. Everybody staring at Jesus. He had just broken the law, committed a religious foul, and people would be waiting to see what he was going to say or do next. And then someone, no doubt trying to break the ice, ease the tension in the room, uh, says, blessed is the person who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. 
Now, this person may have been a middle child, someone who likes to keep the peace. And Jesus could easily have said, yes, it's true. Blessed is the one who will eat um, at the feast in the kingdom of God. Amen to that. They could have all just laughed it off and continued their conversation. But Jesus didn't say that. Instead, Jesus told a story. He told a story about a man preparing a great banquet and inviting many guests, none of whom turned up after making all sorts of excuses. And so the man, the master of the house, then sent out his servant into the streets and the alleys time and time again in order to bring in all sorts of people, all sorts of disadvantaged and marginalized people in that community. The master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. You see, what Jesus is doing in this story is painting a picture of the heart of God. For God wants everyone to come to his table. He invites anyone and everyone, no matter who they are or where they're from, whether they're rich or poor, whether they are healthy or sick, whatever their abilities or disabilities, whatever their past, wherever they are in their journey of faith. Jesus would use stories like this to illustrate what the kingdom of God is like and to reiterate his mission that he had not come for the healthy but for the sick, not for the insider but for the outsider. And as Jesus is telling this story, he's challenging what others believe to be the accepted order of things. What the people around the table had created was, of course, a select group at an exclusive table where you had to obey all of the laws and all of the rules to sit there with them. That these religious leaders were more interested in keeping people out than letting people in. They didn't want more people at this table. They didn't want a full house of all kinds of people. They wanted a full house of the right kind of people, their kind of people. Now, it would be easy to look at Luke chapter 14 and think it's simply another example of Jesus performing a miracle. And as amazing as that is, that is not the point of this chapter. Here, Jesus is describing the heart of God, a heart that longs for anyone and everyone to be accepted into his house, to sit at his table, and to receive his love and care for their lives. That is why Jesus is telling this story. That is the point. It's the clearest possible encouragement to the church to be holy and unconditionally inclusive. Often, try as we might, we get this all mixed up in the church. We welcome people in and try to make them feel at home. But we know from recent experience, we know from things said to us by our vicar Steve, 
that there have been people who have been here worshiping with us recently, who have attended Christchurch for years recently and never felt accepted. And as a result, they are no longer here. They have left. Now, it would be easy for us to say to ourselves, well, that's because they never made an effort. Because they never fitted in. They never got involved. It would be easy uh, to say that they never understood the way we did things around here, the culture of Christchurch. But that is the view of somebody who is on the inside. That's the view of insiders. Forgetting the point that all of us at some point were outsiders. Outsiders. All of us at one point were new. And experience tells us that some people attending church, for a variety of reasons, often or always feel on the outside. They've tried to fit in. They've tried to do what is expected. But they've never quite felt accepted. And so they've never quite felt like they belong. Brené Brown is a professor and an author who has done extensive research around these topics of courage and vulnerability and shame. And she says this, contrary to what most people think, belonging is not fitting in. In fact, fitting in is the greatest barrier to belonging. Fitting in, I've discovered during the past decade of research, is assessing situations and groups of people and twisting yourself into a human pretzel in order to get them to let you hang out with them. Belonging is something else entirely. It's showing up and letting yourself be seen and known as you really are. Or, as Taylor Swift once said, if you're lucky enough to be different, don't ever change. And surely, surely this is why the church exists. To be a living, breathing demonstration of the kingdom of God. To be a place of unconditional acceptance, a place of equal opportunity, a place where diversity is celebrated, where anyone and everyone can be at home in the love of God. Now, one person who obviously never felt like she was accepted was a young girl called Lizzie Lowe. You may have heard of her, read about her in the newspapers because her story hit the headlines across the country. Lizzie was a 14-year-old member of St. James and Emmanuel Church of England Church in Didsbury, Manchester, so not very far from here. And St. James's in Didsbury was a church that would have looked very much like Christchurch. Very similar ethos and approach and style 
and the makeup of the congregation would have been very similar indeed to Christchurch. Now, Lizzie had a mum and a dad and a family who loved her dearly. She was an outstanding student at school, a gifted musician. And with her family, she played an active part in her church, where she was a scout leader amongst lots of other things. She had a very real Christian faith and experience. And yet one night, one dark night in September 2014, Lizzie went to a field near her home and she took her life. It wasn't apparent at the time, but it became clearer over the weeks and months that followed that Lizzie could not reconcile her growing awareness that she was gay with her understanding of the teachings of her church. She felt that she would never be accepted. Now, she was clearly wrong about that. She couldn't have been more wrong, but that is how she felt. Quite simply, Lizzie didn't know how to be a Christian and gay. Now, this tragedy affected not only Lizzie's family, but also her church and wider community in significant and unimaginable ways. And if you want to find out more about Lizzie's story, I recommend you watch a couple of YouTube videos. Um, They're called Beyond Inclusion, Part 1 and Part 2. They're designed to be used in small groups or missional communities. If you're looking for something to, uh, to challenge you, use that as material, as accompanying material to go Uh, with it as well. They're recorded by the rector of that church. They are incredibly thought-provoking and challenging. And the rector talks about how her death rocked the community and ultimately prompted a radical transformation of their church, about changes of attitude that have happened within that congregation and how people with sometimes completely different theological and doctrinal positions have been able to maintain their beliefs and their understanding of Christian faith and practice, while at the same time honestly recognizing that their church was not intentional about really accepting everyone. And he calls this view, this coming together of different views, a yielded consensus. And I love that phrase, if two words can be a phrase, Yielded consensus. It's possible. Now, I don't want to talk today about that particular issue affecting Lizzie. Please, let's not be distracted by that. Her story is just one example of something that can make people feel different. Others might be issues surrounding culture or ethnicity or color or disability or gender or mental health. There are plenty to choose from, and they affect most of us all or some of the time. You see, the truth is that none of us really fits around God's table. None of us is holy. None of us is perfect. We've all sinned and fallen far short of the glory of God. And we cannot measure up to the goodness of Jesus. But the good news is, we might not fit in, but we belong. 
We belong because God loves us. He sent his son to live a life that we could not live so that we could be invited to sit at his table and to be in his house and to join him at his party. That's the great news. And that's why we who uh, 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 are, that's why um, who we are, rather, who we are and what we are here at Christchurch is so important. It's critical to the heart and the mission of God. God wants his house to be full of people. He wants every seat here to be taken and he wants us to accept everyone. And as a church, we get to partner with God in all of that. There are thousands of people in Southport who don't go to church, who aren't part of a church who aren't part of a Christian community. And we get to welcome people in, and we get to introduce them to this idea that there is a God who loves them, a God who cares about every detail of their lives, and I mean every detail of their lives. We get to do that, all of that, together with God. Now, I have no doubt that this has been the honest desire of this faith community throughout the history of this church. But whether Christchurch ever did, I don't know. But I wonder now whether Christchurch, the way we are, the way we are made up, truly and fairly reflects the makeup of our town, or indeed the profile of modern Britain. Let's be honest, let's face it, we live in an increasingly multicultural, multi-ethnic, post-war town, uh, post-modern town, I should say, with high levels of relative poverty. And yet we are largely a white congregation, middle-aged, and relatively speaking, we are um, middle class. Geographically, we're a bit out of the way. And that makes Southport a nice place to live. But it carries with it the challenge and the risk that we are also a bit out of touch Because as a congregation, we have not had to confront certain issues. We simply haven't developed an awareness of how we might respond to the challenge of allowing people to be themselves. And I'd like to think that arising out of this series and being true to our vision as a church for this town, that we will be courageous enough we will feel confident enough to start having conversations about what we need to do differently to make a difference. That we've got a glorious opportunity to invite people into this place, into our community, and into our lives so that they might know of a God who would do anything to show them his love. And we can demonstrate inclusiveness by celebrating difference rather than trying to diminish it. And we get, as I say, to partner with God in all of that. Now that's what this Belong series is all about. That God wants his house to be full. He wants every seat around the table to be filled. 
And we can either be like a Pharisee and sit around the table and argue over who is right and who is wrong and push people out, or we can be like Christ. We can pay attention to the people who need to be loved and who long to belong. We can touch their lives and we can welcome them in. If the band will please uh, join me here. Just as we come towards the end of this service and well into this Belong series, you may have heard things and thought about things and been challenged about things that you've been reflecting on and you realize that maybe, maybe, a change has to happen. You see, being truly, unconditionally, and intentionally accepting of others is not always easy. It's not always comfortable. It can challenge your natural inclinations and also sometimes your deeply and honestly held views. Views that have been formed over years. Views and attitudes which, as it happens, inevitably inform and direct your actions and your approach to situations. And I wonder if today, or during this teaching series, as I say, you've been encouraged or or challenged to rethink how we, or more specifically, to rethink how you do church. In a few moments, there'll be people here on the side. If they move into position now, um, they'll be ready to help you. If you want to talk to anybody about anything, the subjects that we've been considering, the things we've been talking about today, that we need to pray, don't we? That we need to ask that God, through his Spirit, will give us insight and understanding so that we can take responsibility for our attitudes to others. That he will give us peace in difficult situations when we're struggling to feel like we belong. That he will give us a sense of being loved and wanted. Give us a willingness to give of ourselves and to receive from others. And you can begin that process today. If you'd like to talk to someone about anything or receive prayer about anything, then please come forward, come to the side and speak to a member of the prayer team. And as the band plays, let's take this opportunity, please, this morning. You see, God wants his house to be full. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God wants everyone his home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have a place like this. Whether today is the first time or the hundredth time we've been here, we want this to be a safe place where we can discover who you are, experience your great love, find hope and healing and 
help in a community of people who will surround us and, um, and embrace us with love. And so we thank you, God, that we can belong to something like this, the church. This was your idea. This was your creation. And Lord, we recognize that we are not perfect and we fall short all the time. And so we ask, Lord, that you forgive us. But we're also so grateful that you invite each and every one of us to the table because you want your house to be full. And Lord, we pray this together. In Jesus' name. Amen.